0: She whispers. The screaming daggers of last night's revelries turn into this morning's hangovers, boring into my skull. I reach my chapped hand to the glass of stagnant water which has turned into a permanent feature on my nightstand. A quick glance at my phone tells me the time. Quarter to eleven. Great. Shower. Coffee. Roll up. Coffee. Vericey tomorrow. Stare out the window, can't take it anymore. Shot of Jameson's, social media, Chesterfield, can't eat, won't eat. Time for work. Loading up my hot mail, take another sip of coffee. Think the milk's off. Work as a private investigator in this town is never a plethora of work. My cat's missing, my husband sleeping with my secretary slash sister slash mother slash third cousin, etc, etc. One draws my eye however, our son's been kidnapped, bingo. The case in question is Bradley Morecambe, 6 years old. His parents both work at the same national builders firm. Apparently the police can't find any leads and the parents are getting desperate, desperate enough to hire me. One minute they're looking at the architecture in Ranshope Abbey. next he's gone. After a half hour drive through the Tuesday morning traffic to the upper reach of this town, parking up in suburbia, locking up the hatchback, knocking on the door, I greet the kind of misery it only found when parents lose a child. Babbled bits of information that I scribble down in my notebook, occasionally interjected with, You have to find him, are assailing my ears. I feel for them. I really do with the ache throbs in my skull, dispelling my empathy and turning this into an exercise of nodding and note-taking. Soon I have all the information I need. My first visit? Ranshope Abbey, of course. I had my notes on the abbey, but I didn't appreciate for what it was until I got there. It sits in the middle of this town like a malignant tumour. There is no love built in this place. Just a 16th century mayor's vanity project to crowbar his town onto the map. Bradley's parents are working for the firm hired to renovate it. The security guard lets me in without much convincing. It strikes me how odd the building looks next to the tacky Middle England high street. People hurry past like they're avoiding it, wrapping themselves with Primark nylon and M&S cotton, despite the August noon heat. The door slams shut behind me and I flick on my phone torch. Apparently the firm couldn't be bothered to install lighting yet. The building wallows in murk and fetid damp, creating a sinking feeling in my gut. Old broken pews and pedestals lay around like rotten shipwrecks on a November beach. Great cobwebs hang on the religious edifice surrounding me and the stained glass windows are wreathed in dust. I make my way through the wreckage of this house of God to the last known whereabouts of the boy. I have an eye for noticing details often missed by police. I reach the spot, just where Bradley's parents were examining a stone wall. 15th century, maybe? He was playing roughly 15 yards away with a Star Wars action figure. I notice how this spot was in view at the main door. Unless his parents had the perception of the blind slug, there wasn't any way they wouldn't have noticed someone entering. Which means they must have entered from elsewhere. Mid-fall, I see a greyish shape swim past my peripheral. I spin round and shine my torch like a searchlight in a concentration camp. Just a draft? Or maybe a rodent? Or Something. I return to my investigating and pull out my lined copy of the Abbey's plans. My hangover is dissipated into a queasy feeling that hugs the bottom of my belly, so I focus on my work. Scanning the layout, I notice how there's only one other entrance or exit. Down behind the altar, down some stairs, and through the basement, leading out onto the high street. Which means whoever took the lad could only have taken this door. I scrimmage down the cold steps. Feeling each one beneath my weather beaten boots. As I zero in on the door I notice something something wrong. It's almost as my very being in this staircase is an affront. To whom? No clue. I stand in this staircase, feeling the years of cheap booze, Chesterfields, and poor decisions resonating in my core. Young Bradley was here, I know it. In this staircase. With the darkness hugging me like the touch of the jilted one-night stand, I'm reminded of those who came before. The monks and the choir boys and the paedophiles who never felt the fear of retribution for their reprehensible actions. I stand watching the dust fall around me in this abandoned stairwell. I breathe. In and out. In and out. Watching the dust bunnies lower around me. Lost in my mindful fornication, the scrap of paper is almost lost. Flattened underneath my heel, I crouch and pick it up. It's cold. Cold on the crypt of zealotry that I find myself in. I pick it up, bringing it closer to my vision. The meaning of it becomes clear. I see young Bradley's face. He's lost in the joys of youth, dinosaurs, and Pokemon, and never-ending evenings, and coming home when the streetlights come in. However, the corruption of the photo isn't lost upon me. His eyes are scratched out, and in black, harsh, Byron come the words. He is mine. I feel the words. It's almost as if whom that spoke it is stood beside me. I spin my body ready to take that invisible present with every bit of fight left in my miserable being. But alas, none to be found. I notice it though. The scrap is from a postcard bought by penitent holidayers wishing their relatives could be with them, but they can't fucking stand them. Come to the Roman baths. My next investigation. It's late now the lonely have long abandoned the streets. I feel almost sober as I guide my car into the square. Bradley, if you're here, please be okay. I clamber over the pillars that stop the drunks from taking a non-state legislated swim and walk into the Roman baths. There's an odd feeling here, same as the abbey. The pressure of long dead people clamouring to be heard. Brad! Bradley! I shout. My voice feels feeble and unused, like I've been forced to take a vow of silence for a decade. I light a chesterfield and survey the scene. The monument seems deadly, without the cries of Japanese tourists and irritated parents. It seems like it could consume you alive. He is mine. What the fuck? Was that? <laughs> I'm imagining shit. These ruins are unnerving. Hey is mine. I drop the ends of my sig and scrunch it into the skirmished marble of that ancient place. What's that? The cries echo round the pillars. The boy. I run towards the shape, it's curled into a ball, all ribs and spine and convulsing. It takes me two seconds to get to him. Brad! The words feel like shattered glass. The lad turns to face me. I... I want to go home. His voice quavers like a fallen cherub. Who took you lad? I'll do my best. I have felt fear, or at least I thought I had, until now. The air seems to shimmer, like that which should never be spoken of had suddenly decided to fester. She did, he points. I follow his finger. There stands a figure on the other side of the bath. White clothes billow around her like a tattered flag. The air around me grows thicker. I see her face. Oh, fuck. I blink. Please. God. No. She's here, right in front of me, less than an inch from my face. Her cold breath billows over me. It smells like someone opened the door to a disused abattoir. Grey, diseased skin and thin, cruel chapped lips sour my vision, but the eyes, the fucking eyes, milky white irises with midnight black pupils sear into my soul. Never have I seen such hatred, such malevolence, such hunger. Help me.